0: Welcome to The Living Room Podcast. The Living Room is the college ministry at Buckhead Church in Atlanta, Georgia. For more information, you can check out The Living Room ATL on Instagram. Thanks for listening, and we hope you enjoy this talk. Well, that was incredible, exactly what I needed tonight. Um, I hope it was encouraging to you. They're going to come back up and lead us again at the end as we uh, transition the stage, Andrew. Thank you so much. Um, y'all, give it up for Andrew. He's holding this camera and bringing a chair up. This man is a legend. Um, TLRFM, how's everyone feeling tonight? Everybody good? Everybody doing all right? Awesome. Well, um, like I said up top, tonight we are wrapping up this series that we've been in for the past couple of weeks called Struggle Bus, and this is Struggle Bus Part Three. And if you've missed uh, Struggle Bus Part One or Part Two, I would encourage you to go back and catch up if you're like, how do I do that? Um, this could be breaking news to you, but we uh, have a podcast, and our messages are posted on our podcast every single week. They're usually up by like Tuesday afternoon every week. Uh, how would you find that? You just go to Apple Podcast or whatever, wherever you stream your podcast from, and just type in like the Living Room uh, ATL or the Living Room Atlanta, and you'll see it. Uh, we also stream on YouTube, and so you can go back and watch like entire services on YouTube if you want Um, As well, and so we we obviously think there's something special about you being in the room But if there's ever a week where you're on spring break or you're just not able to make it uh, You could stream on youtube as well. We stream live uh, each monday night But uh, throughout the series we've been we've been talking about what it's like to be on the struggle bus And here's the reality Um, if we're being honest tonight, which I would encourage all of us to do We all know what it's like to be on the struggle bus Like every single person in this room young and old alike. We've all been on the struggle bus And sometimes when you're on the struggle bus, like it's it's frustrating, right? It's discouraging. It can be defeating. And here's the reality and what I know to be true is that in this season of your life, you are either currently on the struggle bus, like you're riding or maybe even driving the struggle bus, you just got off the struggle bus, or you're about to be on the struggle bus, all right? That's just the reality. Like, I don't know where you find yourself, but in one of those three categories, you're on it, you just got off it, or you're about to be on it. And for me, the the start of this year, the start of 2022, um, I unexpectedly found myself on the struggle bus. Like not in like a crazy serious like way, but for me, it felt felt pretty frustrating. And um, specifically what was putting me on the struggle bus, or at least what it felt like was leading me towards the struggle bus was um, my car. My car was not operating correctly, okay? Now I need to like be honest with you. Um, a couple of things. Number one, first disclaimer, um, I'm very grateful for my vehicle, okay? I'm grateful to, to have a car. Um, the second thing you need to know that could be helpful for you in this story is that I know nothing about cars, like actually less than nothing. Like nothing doesn't seem like strong enough of a word, okay? I have no knowledge when it comes to cars, okay? But what would happen is, is like I'd get in my car and it was only like eight or nine years old, you know, it was a good car, it was running good. And this light would come on and it'd say like engine coolant low, okay? And I already know there's like some car guy in the room who's like, bro, you just go in the valves and you just pour it in there, you know, and I'm like, look, bro, just chill, okay? I know, I don't know what you're talking about and I don't know that, but I do, I did learn how to like change my coolant. Like I figured out where that tank was or at least I think it was the right thing. It might not have been. but I would like to pour it in but then what would happen is so I'd gotten this notice many times in the past like engine coolant low that was a pretty common thing which was probably my first like red flag that I should have paid more attention to a few years ago but I didn't okay and so this this coolant notice kept coming on but then what would happen is it would immediately go from engine coolant low to red alert and my engine would shut off it said engine overheating pull over immediately. And the first time it happened, I was like, yeah, you're lying. And so I kept going and my car starts going, and I'm like, oh, okay, whoa, we're shutting it off, you know? So I brought it to the shop. I spent a lot of money at the shop and they're like, you're good. A week later, no joke, okay? Same thing happens. I bring it to the shop. They're like, oh, we think you got to spend a little bit more money. I was like, Okay, let's do it. So I spent a little bit more money, okay? A week later, I can't make this stuff up. It happens again. I call the shop and they're like, we don't really know what to tell you, but just bring it back in. I'm like, I'm not bringing it back in. I wasn't gonna say this. I ended up getting rid of the car, y'all, because I just couldn't do it. But listen, um, I got like a new one, but it was, it was cool. Someone bought it. If you bought my car, it's probably still having low engine coolant. I never got it worked out, but it's cool. Um, but here's the thing. I got to a point where I felt so frustrated so annoyed, honestly, so discouraged and just so defeated where I just wanted to give up. Like I wanted to quit. I was like, I, I don't want to do this anymore. I don't even want to, to, to have to, you know, figure out what's wrong. I, I just, I don't want to address this. I just want to forget about it. And so I kind of did. I just got rid of it. Um, but, but I was like, this is just too much. And here's what I know to be true about every single person in the room is that sometimes when you're on the struggle bus, you get to a point where you feel defeated. You feel so overwhelmed, so discouraged. And you're just like, it's just all too much. And you just wanna toss in the towel. You just wanna quit. You just wanna like push to the side and not think about it anymore. And sometimes you can, but other times you can't do that. But here's what I know to be true is that if you quit fighting, then you'll find a way to get comfortable on the struggle bus. For some of us, it gets to a point where we get so discouraged and so defeated that we just give up. We just quit fighting altogether and we just start to accept it. Like, this is just my reality. I guess I should just, you know, get comfortable with it. And we actually make the struggle bus feel comfortable. And over time, we start to justify why we're still on the struggle bus in this area of our lives. Over time, we even start to forget that we're on the struggle bus. And we think that this is just like us living our best life. But the reality is if you quit fighting, you're gonna stay on the struggle bus. You're gonna get comfortable on the struggle bus. And usually in our lives, it's setbacks that lead us to the struggle bus. Like something doesn't go the way we thought it was going to go, and then we find ourselves in the struggle bus. But what if I told you that oftentimes a setback in your life is actually a setup for what God wants to do in and through you in this season of your life and in the seasons to come. Like the setback might be a setup God can actually work in your life while you're firmly planted on the struggle bus is what I'm trying to say. Like you might be on the struggle bus, God can work through that. In fact, God can use that. He can redeem that in your life and in the lives and the people around you. There's a theme that we see all throughout the scriptures. And it's this theme that God often does his greatest work. He often does his greatest miracles when we're at our lowest moments. Like he often uses unlikely conditions to perform great miracles in our lives. And so if you find yourself on the struggle bus and you feel discouraged, you feel defeated, you wanna give up, then I think tonight's message is for you. And if you're not there, I still think tonight's message is for you because at some point you will be there. And so here's what we're gonna do for the rest of the time that we have for this message. It's gonna be a little bit different, already feels a little bit different. So we're just gonna lean into it. I'm gonna open up the text and we're gonna read this story found in the gospel of Luke. Luke chapter five verses one through 11 is where we're gonna be. And I'm just gonna read straight through the story. I'm gonna make a couple of observations, point a couple of things out and my hope and prayer is that this is going to encourage us, but also that it's going to be challenging to us. So before I even dive in, I'm just going to pray. I'm just going to ask God to, to, to meet us right where we are. God, you have our focus and attention. Lord, as we open up your word tonight, and as we look at this story that's recorded in the Gospel of Luke, first off, we say thank you, God, for this story. And God, we pray that this text tonight would come to life. And that for every single person in the room, at some point, God, I pray that my voice would go quiet and that your voice, God, would grow loud in the hearts of every single individual in this room and watching online. It's in your name we pray. Amen. So let me dive in. Luke chapter five, verse one is where we'll pick it up. And it says this, it says, one day as Jesus was standing by the lake of Gennesaret, the people were crowding around him and listening to the word of God. So everywhere Jesus went, all throughout his ministry, crowds followed. So this situation was no different. Like Jesus is teaching the people and there is a massive crowd, like a standing room only crowd. And they are listening, the people are listening to the word of God. Meaning like right now you're listening to someone give his best attempt to tell you about the word of God. They were literally listening to the very word of God. Pretty amazing. Goes on, verse 2. It says, he saw, speaking to Jesus, he saw at the water's edge, two boats left there by the fishermen who were washing their nets. So Jesus sees these two boats on like the water's edge on the shoreline and they were left there by these fishermen and the fishermen are like off to the side. They're washing their nets. Like clearly like they're done fishing. You know, they're calling it a night. They're calling it a day. They're like, okay, we're done. And Jesus sees these two boats. Like he recognizes them. Verse three, he got into one of the boats the one belonging to Simon and asked him to put out a little bit from the shore. Then he sat down and taught the people from the boat. Now, I need to pause here for a second because I think this is a little bit awkward. Jesus just goes and gets into one of the boats. He sees these boats on the shore. These boats are not his, like these boats belong to these fishermen. And he just goes and gets up in one of the boats And then he takes it a step further and he's like, hey bro, can you push me out a little bit? I take this thing for a spin? And if you're in the room and you're like, I don't think that's that awkward, Matt. Okay, prove it to me. Tonight at the end of service, go down to our parking garage and just find a car that's unlocked because somebody forgot to lock their car and just get into it and wait. And when they come say, hey man, uh, can I just take your car out? I'm just gonna drive down the road to like Chick-fil-A real quick, you know, is that cool? And see how they respond. Now they're going to be like, yeah, just go for it. But no, no, they would be angry. Like this to me is a little bit weird. This is a little bit awkward. Jesus is like, hey, I'm going to push out a little bit. But my guess is, is that Simon, who Simon was also known as Peter. My guess is, is that Simon Peter like, was like, oh, okay, he's in my boat. Like he's in in my boat. So he probably was paying really close attention to what Jesus had to say here. Because Jesus was in, his boat. And he's probably like, yo, there's a lot of people. This could give me a lot of increased clout. Like I could get a lot more followers because they're gonna be like, whose boat was that? It's gonna be like, oh, it was that dude, Simon Peter. It was his boat, it was his boat. And listen, Jesus did not have to use the boat. Jesus could walk on water. Why do you need a boat? He could have just walked on out and been like, all right, I need some space. These crowds are getting big. You know what? Watch this everybody. He could just like start moonwalking on the water, right? I can moonwalk, I just didn't want to right now. But he could have been on the water. He didn't need the boat, but he chose to use the boat. I think Jesus was intentional in choosing to use the boat. I think he was doing something in this moment. Something that at this moment, no one knew what he was about to do or what he was about to say. And Simon probably was thinking, why does this man need my boat? If he could walk on water, why does he have any use my boat. I don't don't understand. The story goes on. Pick it back up in in verse 4. It says, he said, put out a little bit from the shore. Then Jesus sat down and taught the people from the boat, verse 4. And when he had finished speaking, he said to Simon, put out into deep water and let down the nets for a catch. So he says, hey, I'm done speaking, I'm done teaching the people. They're probably like, that was amazing. Giving them an applause, you know, everybody's walking off, getting ready to leave. And now Jesus is like, hey, I want you to take your boat out and put it out in the deep water and let down your nets for a catch. Let me remind you, Simon was just cleaning up his nets. They were done for the day. And Jesus is like, hey, I want you to go back out and I want you to throw your nets out again. Like, I know you just cleaned them up but I want you to take your boat back out and I want you to go, you know, give it another shot. And in this moment, Simon could have been like, oh, no, like we're not doing that. Jesus, we, we, it's been a long day. We're tired. We've been cleaning our nets. No offense, Jesus, but we're professional fishermen and you're not. Like we know a whole lot more about fishing than you do. But I think this was an opportunity for Peter to be obedient. And I think really what Jesus is saying here is, hey, Peter, do, do you trust me? And Peter had every reason to like delay. Like it would have been a totally understandable response for Peter in this moment to be like, hey, Jesus, listen, like that's a great idea, man, but it's getting late and we've already tried. The fish aren't biting today. You know, like uh, we cleaned up our nets. Let's, Let's just do it later. Let's do it later. But you know, delayed obedience is actually disobedience. Like for example, if I asked my daughter, my oldest daughter, Willow, who's three and a half, if I asked her to go and like put her toys away and she's like, okay, dad, I'll do it in a little bit. That's actually disobedience. Delayed obedience is disobedience. So Peter, he, he could have delayed in this moment. He could have said no in this moment. He, he could have just made an excuse. But look at the way he responds. Verse five, Simon Peter answered, master, we've worked hard all night and we haven't caught anything. He's like, Jesus, we've, we've been fishing, we've been working hard all night. Again, this is what we do, Jesus, we're fishermen. We know how this works. We've been working, we've been going to the right spots. We haven't caught anything, Jesus, not a thing. So why in the world would we go back out now and throw out our, our, our nets again? I'm sure Peter was like, no, we're frustrated. We feel like we're on the struggle bus. We wanna give up. He could have given up. He could have just walked away. Let me pause right here for a moment and bring this and make this personal for you. Where in your life right now are you thinking about walking away? Where in your life do you feel like you're on the struggle bus, so much so to the point where you just wanna give up? You wanna walk away from it all. Because God often steps in when we're about to give up. And in this moment right here, Jesus was about to step in and he was about to do something amazing. But first look at Simon Peter's response, the end of verse five. It says, Master, we've worked hard all night and haven't caught anything, but because you say so, I will let down the nets. Those six words, because you say so, I will, Those six words, TLR, have the power to change your life. Because you say so, I will. Hey Jesus, I know it doesn't make any sense. It feels like this relationship is over, but Jesus, because you say so, I'm gonna forgive this person. Jesus, from the world's standpoint, it feels like there is no hope for my future because I've messed up too many times and it's been my own fault, Jesus. But because you say so, I'm gonna keep going. I'm gonna believe that you have a hope and a plan for my future. Because you say so, I will. Jesus, it doesn't make any sense why we would throw our nets back out, why we would go back out and try to fish again when we haven't caught anything all night. But Jesus, because you say so, I will. I'll let down my nets. I trust you. Look at what happens, verse verse 6. When they had done so, they caught such a large number of fish that their nets began to break. When they had done so, when they had trusted Jesus, when they were obedient to do what he asked them to do and they went back out and said, Jesus, it doesn't make any sense. We don't understand, but because you say so, we will. And when they went back out, it said they had a large catch, the largest catch they've ever had in their lives. Verse seven, so they signaled their partners in the other boat to come and help them. And they came and filled both boats so that, so full that they began to sink. So then they were like, yo, this is crazy hey guys, get back out here. Like, no, for real, get in your boats, get back out here. And the other boat got so full too, to the point that their boats began to sink. That's a lot of fish. Like I'm not a fisherman, but I think it would take a lot of fish on your boat for your boat to start sinking. But notice the blessing of the fish, it came after their obedience to say yes. Obedience without guaranteed results requires faith, right? And Jesus, hear me on this, Jesus wasn't even so concerned with the fish. Jesus wanted to grow their faith. Like for Jesus, it wasn't really about the fish. Jesus created the fish. Jesus was concerned with trying to grow their faith. Verse eight, it says, when Simon Peter saw this, When he saw what had just happened, he fell at Jesus' knees and said, go away from me, Lord. I am a sinful man. He's like, Jesus, I don't deserve this. Like, I've made mistakes. I've messed up, Jesus. I don't deserve this. Verse nine, for he and all his companions were astonished. They were amazed. They were in awe at the catch of fish they had taken. And so were James and John, the sons of Zebedee, Simon's partners. They were amazed, goes on, story wraps up. It says, then Jesus said to Simon, don't be afraid. From now on, you will fish for people. So they pulled their boats up on shore, left everything and followed him. That last line is amazing to me. These men had just had the greatest catch of their lives. Like, They were on the struggle bus. Things weren't going well. They hadn't caught anything all day. I'm sure they were frustrated, discouraged, defeated. They wanted to give up. They were in the process of giving up, of washing their nets and leaving for the day. Then Jesus comes in, he steps into their boat and Jesus says, hey, come on out and throw your nets out again. And they're like, I don't understand this. This doesn't make any sense. But because you say so, Jesus, we will. They go and do it. They're obedient to do what God calls them to do, what Jesus had asked them to do. And they go and they have this massive catch. What I would have done in that moment has been like, yo, we're having a party. Like call the whole town. We're about to get rich. We're about to make a lot of money. Like we've got so many fish. Let's get into town immediately and let's start the game plan how we're gonna market and how we're gonna release these fish to the town. This is amazing. But verse 11 ends by saying, they were amazed at Jesus and they left everything and followed him. They left everything, including the fish. They left the fish because they had found something greater. My question to you tonight, TLR, and hear me on this, is are you hanging on to the fish in your life? Like where in your life is it like, oh, but man, I got these blessings. I got these things. Oh, I don't want to let go of these. They're too good. And you're missing out. Let me just tell you something, over time, if they would have hung on to these fish, these fish would have started to stink. Like literally, over time in your life, if you just hang on to what you have, and man, this feels good, this feels comfortable, I'm gonna hold on to it, I feel like I earned this, this is mine, and if you just hang on to it, then eventually I'm telling you, you're gonna get to a point where you're like, ah, this wasn't worth it, I thought this would last. You'll never miss or regret the fish that you leave behind to step out and follow Jesus in faith. You'll never regret that. Peter, Simon, the one we were just reading about, I know this is confusing, you like, he said, Simon or Peter, Is both. Like Jesus changed his name, he literally met Jesus, Jesus changed his identity. Peter later on, you can read this in the, in the book of Acts, Acts chapter two, there's this day called Pentecost. And Peter gives this message, he gives this this sermon essentially. And it says that over 3000 people that day got saved. And the Lord added to that number daily. Do you think Peter on the day of Pentecost in that moment was thinking, man, I just wish I would have stayed back with those fish. Oh, that boat, those fish, my guys, that was so awesome. I shouldn't, I, I regret that. Like, do you think he got to that moment? He got towards the end of his life and they're like, what do you regret most? He was like, I just wish that on that day when, when we caught those fish, man, that was an amazing miracle. I wish I just would have hung on to that. Absolutely not. And can I tell you about Peter? Cause God used Peter in amazing ways. Peter was an impulsive know-it-all. Peter was oftentimes violent. He, he, at one point in, in scripture, he cuts off a dude's ear. Like he's like, you know, like he's a violent man. Like no one normal like does that. He has a filthy mouth. So, so, so what's your excuse? Cause I, I'm pretty sure you could give me anything and it's probably someone in here that had something a whole lot worse or maybe the same thing and God used them in amazing ways. So my question to you tonight, and my question as we wrap up this series, Struggle buses. Really simple, but it's a big question. Does God, does God have your yes? Like, are you willing to allow God to, to work in your life? Are you willing to allow him to use what you have? Let me, let me just say it another way to put it in the context of this story that we just read. Can he use your boat? See, because this boat for Peter, it represented what he was good at. He was a professional fisherman. Like this was his gift, this was his talent. And I think Jesus was saying, hey, Peter, I wanna get in your boat because I wanna use what I've given you. Does God have access to get in your boat? Or are you like, hold up, hold up, hold up, hold up. Jesus, that, that, that gift's mine, that, 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 that area of my life, that's, that's mine. You, you can stay over there, you can have my Monday nights, but, but you can't have this area of my life. You can't enter into that relationship. You can't use me in that type of way. Because I promise you, Jesus wants to get in your boat. He wants to lead you. He wants to do life with you. He wants to use you. And he wants to say, hey, those gifts that I've given you, I've uniquely given them to you. There's only one you. So stop trying to be like everybody else. He's saying, there's only one you. Let me use your gift for good in this world. Jesus will meet you on the struggle bus, but he loves you way too much to keep you there. He'll meet you on the struggle bus and there he'll reveal himself to you. Oftentimes when we're at our lowest, we can see God the clearest. There's a question that I wanna close with and it's a question that honestly, I heard one of the worship leaders at our church say this week in an Instagram video and it was this question right here. He said, how can you know how high, deep and wide the love of God is if you've never been to the bottom? Like for some of you, you feel like you're at rock bottom. And it's at the bottom that it's a really great opportunity for you to recognize how amazing and how high and wide and deep the love of God is. So when you're on the struggle bus, I know it's hard. I know it's frustrating. I know it's discouraging. I know it feels defeating. I know you wanna give up but maybe this is an opportunity for you to see God clearly. In fact, I I think tonight it would be a miss for me not to give someone in the room an opportunity to say, you know what? Right now, at this point in my life, I've never let Jesus onto my boat. I've never invited him in. I've never said yes to putting my faith and trust in Jesus. Like for Peter in this moment, it it required courage. He didn't know what was going to happen. He could have looked silly, but he said, Jesus, I trust you, I trust you. And so I wanna give someone the opportunity tonight to put a stake in the ground and say, I want a relationship with Jesus. I've been on the struggle bus, I know what it's like. I've tried other things. They, they, they may be satisfied and worked for a moment, but everything has left me dry at some point wanting more. And can I just tell you, Jesus, like he fulfills. He gives you true purpose, true meaning in your life, true peace, true hope. And so here's what I'd love to do. If you would just bow your heads for a moment of concentration. And if tonight's the night that you wanna put your faith and trust in Jesus Christ as your personal Lord and Savior, then I just want you to to pray this prayer with me. You don't have to pray it out loud. You can pray it quietly in your heart. You can whisper it. You, You can do whatever you want. This prayer doesn't save you. This prayer just solidifies the work that God's doing in your heart. Just say, Heavenly Father, I confess that I'm a sinner in desperate need of a Savior. I believe that you sent Jesus to die on the cross for my sins. And I'm choosing to place my faith and trust in Jesus's death and his resurrection. And I wanna follow Jesus from this moment forward for the rest of my life, the best way that I know how. I want a relationship with you, Jesus. Jesus name, if you would keep your heads bowed for a moment longer. I'm believing that for someone in the room tonight, you just put your faith in Jesus for the first time. And I would love just to know who you are. So I'm gonna take a moment. And if, and if that was you with all heads bowed across the room, if that was you, would you just shoot your hand up and make eye contact me with me really quick so I can see you. Yeah, I see you right here, right here, right there. I'm gonna look around center section. I see, I see, I see two hands over here, uh, this section. I don't wanna miss anybody. I see you. <sighs> y'all can pick your heads up. Can I be honest with y'all? We, our, our team and we, we knew that tonight, like a lot of campuses were on spring break and it would have been easy just to say, "Hey, let's not meet tonight. We're gonna to take a couple of weeks off. You know, we're already taking next week off. Let's just take a couple of weeks off midway through the semester." And there was a part of me that was like, "Ah, oh, yeah, maybe maybe we should have." But well, here we are. But I felt God right before the service start. I felt Him whisper into my heart, "Hey Matt, do you trust me? Hey Matt, do you believe that I'm gonna move in a mighty way tonight?" And I just looked around the room and saw, I think seven or eight people shoot their hand up saying, I want a relationship with Jesus. And if if that was all we saw in our ministry for this whole entire year, then this whole year of ministry would be worth it. This whole year of ministry would be worth it. Seven or eight, maybe more, maybe some people even watching online, people just want from death spiritually to to spiritually being alive. Yeah, that's worth celebrating, that's worth celebrating. Man, what an honor and a privilege. I'm not gonna ask y'all to stand, the seven of you or eight of you who just shot your hand up at me. I'm not gonna have you stand. Uh, Our family is in a moment gonna gonna really celebrate with you because that was kind of a a half-hearted attempt right there what we just did. It was cool, but we can do better than that. Um, But here's what I want you to do. If you just shot your hand up at me, for real, I want you to go tell somebody. If you're in a small group, I want you to tell your small group leader. As soon as you get there, I want you to just like give them a sign. I don't know what you need to do. Just like nudge them or something like you have like a sign put up two fingers I don't know just let them know because your small group is going to go crazy and celebrate with you if you're not in a small group and you're like I don't know who to tell please come up here and like talk to me like or or someone on our team one of these people leading up here we would love to talk with you why? because we want to celebrate with you and we want to help you get clear on what your next step in your relationship of following Jesus might be so so one more time again, before, hold up. Let me just say this again. Tonight, we just saw, I'm just gonna call it eight people. We saw eight people tonight in the room, put their faith in the living God and say, I want a relationship with Jesus. I've found hope. I've found purpose. It's worth celebrating. Come on, if we could, let's, let's stand together. I'm gonna pray for us. And then we're gonna respond with some worship. Heavenly Father, we thank you for what you're doing in this place. Who God, tonight you've moved in an amazing way. Just about 52 minutes ago, Lord, we prayed and we said, God, we we're believing you're gonna do great things. And God, we thanked you on the front end. We said thank you in advance for the miracles you're gonna do tonight. Lord, here we are 52 minutes later and we've seen you do miracles tonight, God. We've seen you do the greatest miracle, which is calling someone out of the grave to life. And so Lord, our only response, the only thing we know to do that feels adequate is just to praise you and to worship you and to say, God, you have our yes. Like if you say so, then we'll follow. We'll we'll go wherever you lead us. God, individually, as a ministry, we're gonna go where you lead us. So God, lead us, you have our yes. If you say so, we'll follow. Yeah, come on, sing it Ian, yeah for listening and we hope you enjoyed the message if you want to stay connected follow us on instagram at the living room atl remember tlr fam we love you we're for you and we'll see you next time